Can Eugenio Suarez bounce back to the level that he was at in 2019 this coming season? The question is whether you believe his September resurgence or if you think the larger sample size is more indicative of who he is as a player now. We're going to talk about that and the Mount Rushmore idea about the Cincinnati Reds with Lance McAllister from 700 WLW on today's Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get going. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You have found the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr, superfan and addict of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned that addiction into information for you today. Joining me will be Lance McAllister to talk about Eugenio Suarez and what he can do to bounce back and how we view him as a Red. I mean, he was kind of the face of the franchise there, at least for a moment, and then all of a sudden everything changed. So... How does he get back to that level? And we'll look at the Mount Rushmore that me and Steve Offenbaker talked about yesterday, and we'll talk about it with Lance today and get his take as to who he thinks should be on the Reds' Mount Rushmore. That's all coming up. Let's let's dive right in. As soon as I mention the fact that, thank you for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. All right, let's get started. All right, for today's Locked on Reds, I've got with me Lance McAllister. He is the host of Sports Talk on 700 WLW, and he, as much as anybody, as much as we all are for when it comes to information for this lockout period and talking about baseball, we, we've, we've, we've been limited, Lance. It's been interesting to see how all of this has come about. So I, I've pivoted a little bit to doing a way too early look ahead to the season and some burning questions around big players when it comes to the Reds. Plus, we're going to talk about some Mount Rushmore items. But first, how are you doing, sir? I am well, and I'm I'm very happy you reached out because it is a chance to talk baseball. And no, nobody's been talking. Like, somebody talk baseball with me. There's nothing going on. <laughs> I've been so limited. And so when you uh, reached out, I said, heck yeah, because uh, I'll take it in any way I can get it. I need a fix. So I'm... I'm happy to talk baseball. I always know that. And uh, having left the radio station, I haven't got the chance to work with you for a while. So I'm glad to have you back on the show and get that chance. Because, yeah, I mean, with this offseason, I, I, I think we all expected the Reds were going to be even just a little bit boring themselves by not doing a ton of yeah. uh, transactions or signings or things like that. But at least we would have the minor league signings with invites to spring training and waiver additions that they would most likely be focused on and maybe a trade of a big guy or two, which I don't even really want to think about the idea of losing Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray or, or Tyler Malley or anything like that. So let's look at a Eugenio Suarez. Let's look at the guy who I think after 2019, the torch was passed. He was the guy yeah. who was going to be the face of the franchise. And then, for whatever reason, and, and it was probably the shoulder, it was probably not 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 quite healing enough through 2020 and 90% of 2021, he wasn't good. He was a liability. And he was hitting home runs, but for the most part, his overall profile at the plate had really taken a dip. And then September happened. He did this weird September where everything was back to normal. So my big question is, what do we trust more going into 2022? Is it the 
pretty much whole season's worth of struggles that he had, or is it the hot September, and is he going to bounce back? I've got to go sample size here, and I'm on one end of the scale. I'm going to put 800 plate appearances in 2020 and 2021 combined, and then I'm going to put probably 80 to 90 plate appearances in September. And as much as September excited me and I said, that's the Gino who got the contract and was a great deal for the Reds uh, monetarily, I just, uh, my, those numbers tell me that he's the 800 appearance guy over the last two seasons. That's a 199 hitter. And just saying that out loud, I mean, to think in his first, what, six seasons, He's a 265 career hitter. And I'm not just going to base it on batting average, but he was he was a blossoming all-star. He was a power hitter. And to think of what he's been the last two years, be it whatever reason, whether it was I, initially we went through well, it was the, the lockout and the stop and start of spring training, and he never got his timing down. And then it was, well, it was the swimming pool accident and the shoulder and the surgery. Maybe the shoulder, shoulder wasn't right. And then it became, well, maybe because the shoulder wasn't right while it got healthy, he changed his swing plane. And you just kept looking for I, there There were moments last season, I swore, he needed glasses, and it became. I became so desperate to explain what he needed. I would watch him, and I would say, I'd watch him swing at pitches that he missed by more than I've seen most players swing and miss pitches more. I mean, it wasn't like that much. He'd be swinging and missing at pitches, and I'm like, how could you possibly be looking at a pitch and missing it by that much? It was maddening, but I'm left at... In those 800 plate appearances over the last two seasons, he's a 199 hitter. You mentioned he's he is hitting for power, but man, if you look, even I mean, I, I know 31 home runs is hard to dismiss last year, but even from the previous season, his slugging has gone down, his OPS has gone down. I mean, there have been significant drops, even though he put up the 31 home runs in, in his slugging percentage over the last two years. I just it's. It's perplexing. I know people want to get rid of him. The reality is, as you know, he's got three more years left on a deal at eleven million. I guess the fortunate thing is, it's not three more years at at you know sixteen, eighteen, twenty million, and he's going to hit some home runs. But um, I, I see no reason to believe the A. Eugenio Suarez of uh, pre twenty twenty is is going to come back. I hope it does, but I wouldn't bet on it coming back. I'm with you. I, I think I'm a little. A little bit realist when it comes to him. I, I've lost the optimist goggles for Gino. I love Gino. Personality-wise, he is one of the easiest guys to root for, one of the easiest guys to like. It just it seemed like this past year. I mean, looking at his splits, there was no month outside of September that he got on base 30% of the time. Everything yeah. was less than 30% of the time. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's a 460 on base in September. It's just yeah. almost... I mean, I, I don't want to say that I think that he's at this level because I, I sort of wonder about this guy, but it's almost Aristides Aquino-like. Like, the only hit he gets is a home run now. And it makes you wonder as to how much you can trust him. And there's so much money between him and Mike Mustakis that is tied up in third base. You, you really, really want to see a bounce back from one of those guys. And yeah. I'm a little bit worried about both of them. And we're not really talking about Moose on this episode, but from a Geno perspective... I'm with you. There were so many times where it was like, and, and, and it was inexplicable almost, where he would swing at a slider yes. that was breaking down by his shins, and his swing plane was about with yes. his numbers. Yes. And you're like, what? Yeah. But then the next pitch, somebody would hang a curveball, and then he'd blast it, and you're like, oh, well, Gino's fine. He really wasn't. He was just kind of, I don't know, I think he was lucky into some pitches there. 
And Jeff, the other thing for me that has nothing to do with analytics, and it's just a personal thing, it's he is so, so well liked and respected by his teammates. You can feel their pain for him. You and I just I, I watch in the in the dugouts after he has a moment that goes well and to see how he's um, welcomed back into the dugout. And it may sound corny, it may be cliche, but you can tell his teammates root for him. And they talked openly about being happy when he experienced success or had a game-winning hit. So it'd be one thing if, if the guy were just a complete jerk that nobody liked who you could dismiss so easily. <laughs> but you can you can feel his pain. I think his teammates feel his pain and frustration. You see that just on the looks on their their faces and the hugs they give him after a good moment for him. They truly feel for him, and I just think it says a lot about his character and how well he's respected and embraced in in that uh, clubhouse. You could be excused if you tuned into a Reds game at the moment when he is rounding. You know, he's crossing home plate after hitting a home run, and the reaction that the dugout gives him. Yes. You could be excused for thinking that he just hit a walk off home yes. run. But then yes. you look at the scoreboard, and it's like the third inning, and you're like, "Yep, oh no, yeah, that's his teammates getting behind him and just showing the love that they have for him and the appreciation they have." for his successes because last year they just it it felt like you know there were 31 successes and maybe a couple of more outside of that but for the most part it was a year of frustration for him and hopefully he bounces back no i i always say that there a player we can use the back of the baseball card cliche but i i say slump becomes a trend becomes reality and we're deep enough into this that this is the reality of Eugenio Suarez I I I don't know I'd love to find a career profile of a player who did what he did for his first six seasons and it's not like if Eugenio was 37 38 years old there'd be a lot more to, to factor in for an explanation but you know when you're in your early 30s just into the 30s and you've done this I, I just I I struggle to find a career profile that would match for success to the extent he had it for his first six years. Two sixty five hitter, power hitter, uh, all star, and then for two consecutive years, just be a one ninety nine guy who's reduced the pop and just making outs every other plate appearance. It just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. No, I'm I'm with you, and I'm I'm curious to see because one thing I've also been looking at. And, and I'm calling them the way too early projections simply because Fangraphs, the steamer projection model is always working no matter what time of year. So I'm saying it's the too early projections for him. We're going to take a gander at that here in just a moment. This holiday season, grab yourself a built bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's better. It combines the sweetness and deliciousness of a candy bar with amazing healthy statistics like 180 calories or less. They're low in sugar, fat, and net carbs and high in protein. Check them out today at built.com. Talking about the best kind of fuel. If you're out and you're trying to shop and find those last minute gifts, it'll give you that extra boost. Or it's an amazing stocking stuffer as well. You can get some great flavors like Cherry Bar Sia Coconut. You can get some Peanut Butter Brownie or get some of the new Puff flavors that are like marshmallowy goodness in your mouth. Stick them in your favorite uh, niece or nephews or sons or daughters or mom or dad's wife or husband, whatever. Stick them in the stockings and see their smile light up on Christmas Day. Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. They've got 
all kind of amazing flavors of Built Bar that you need to check out today as it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They combine everything from healthiness to deliciousness, and they put it all right in an easy-to-eat Built Bar. Check them out today, Built.com, and use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. But first, before we do, I wanted to let everybody know that you are listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast, and thank you for making us your hashtag first listen of the day. With me is Lance McAllister. We're talking about a Eugenio Suarez. We're, we're also going to be talking about some Mount Rushmore items here coming soon. Going to be some fun there because the seriousness of a Eugenio Suarez is, is it's a bummer because we're talking about a dude who you know blows bubbles for a living on third base. Um, that's the kind of guy that you really want to see bounce back. And and when we look at these projections. Just from Steamer, and I'm not going to go line by line here, but they actually do have him bouncing back slightly. They're thinking he's going to hit 224. He's going to have a 444 slugging and actually get on base 31% of the time in a 116-game sample size. Now, I think part of that is they're expecting a little bit more of a platoon with uh, Mike Moustakis and, and what that might look like. And partially because they're not, it's not as if the model is factoring in the DH, which I believe is coming. I think once we finally get whatever CBA is negotiated, I think the DH is coming to the National League. So with that's going to make it interesting. I wonder if Gino gets more than 116 games there. But do, do you take that? Because we're talking about a dude that we kind of would figure would hit three or four in this lineup, but the reality is it's probably going to be five or six. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. And and you you make a good point about how he's going to be used because it sets up with with, with what the reality is. They have Suarez and they have Mustakas and neither one's going anywhere. So it sets up as if somebody takes advantage of the opportunity and gets hot, you know how this works for, for 10 days, for two weeks, and they secure the job for a little bit longer. Maybe they get off uh, running with it no matter who it is. But at this point, if you can get Eugenio's on base 31% of the time and give some pop and hit 224, hey, that's up from 199 overall the last two years, and that, that, that sounds kind of goofy to say it, but that's it's baby steps here. If you can get that, that's a baby step improvement from what he's given you the last two years, and you really don't. I mean, what are the options beyond that uh, other than seeing what Moustakas can do in his little sample sizes of opportunities? Yeah, and I didn't realize, too, he really took a dip in walk rate this past year. He went from 13% in 2020, which 2020 kind of being a small sample size in and of itself, but 13% in 2020 to 9% in 2021. It's just like, dude, take a, take a pitch here and there, which I know that's not his MO. He's, he's an aggressive hitter. He's a swing first type of dude. But when you look at him in the, in the pecking order of this lineup, what would you say? I, I think you probably put Joey Votto and Jesse Winker at the top of your expectations list and Jonathan India as well. Is he fourth or is there somebody that you would look at that you'd say, no, I, I think I'm even thinking of this dude ahead of a Eugenio Suarez? Yeah, that's a great question because I, I mean, you, you would expect more out of Tyler Stevenson as he continues to grow and mature and he's going to get more at bats. Um, you're going to have in some way, shape, or form the likes of Kyle Farmer, Jose Barrero, probably Nick Senzel, uh, Tyler Naquin. Um, so yeah, I mean Suarez probably, and I, I, I think it's I think it's troubling if you're putting Suarez at four in terms of expectations. 
that doesn't – on this team, he's got to be with what he's done. If they're going to be good, he's got to be down closer to five, six, seven in terms of expectations, I think. You've got to have more guys ahead of him you can count on and feel good about than ranking Suarez at four as the guy you're fourth highest in counting on for this season. That's That kind of sent a shiver down my neck when you said fourth because if he's – He's fourth, and there are some there are some issues with this lineup. Yeah, I I think that they've got to go out and get a replacement because I I like Tyler Naquin, I do, but I don't necessarily know that you can count on both Tyler Naquin uh, figuring out how to hit left-handed pitching and Nixon Zell staying healthy all year. So I feel like they've got to go out and get a replacement for Nick Castellanos, whatever that looks like, and. Uh, not sure that they're going to pay enough to get a guy like Kyle Schwarber or something like that yeah. to come here. So you're you're probably looking at a lesser value than what Castellanos was for sure, but what what that might look like in the end, I don't know. Like Eugenio Suarez profiles as the guy who should have been at the top. And I think it's interesting that the Zips projections have come out so far as wins above replacement positionally for the Reds and they actually don't have them that far out of a playoff type caliber team now who's going to be here in the end that's the biggest question who's still on the trading block and things like that but Suarez is not a guy that's leaving I, I agree with you and I think that it would be a surprise on par with the Reds trading away Homer Bailey if they could actually trade away Mike Moustakas this offseason just because I think the value is at the lowest point yeah, and so, Nick Crawl. Yeah, and Nick Crawl yeah. has said we're not going to, you know, attach prospects to get somebody to take take a contract like they had to do when Jeter Downs and others went in the in the Homer Bailey deal. But the, the reality is, nobody in their right mind, no general manager right now, is going to take Mike Mustakas off your hands unless they're getting one of your quality prospects to go along with it. Because I mean, who who's raising their hand to say yes? I'll take on thirty two million in two more years for Mike Mustakas when he's been injured and and the way he's looked for the last two seasons. It's just it's it's not going to happen. It's a fantasy baseball trade. I, I get you know how this is. People ask all the time. Well, just get rid of him. And I say, well, what does that mean? Does it does that mean writing him a check for thirty two million and telling him to go away? Because you're not going to be able to trade him. You're just not going to be able to trade Mike Mustakas. It's not going to happen unless you really feel the sting of giving up a prospect and then that's going to leave fans saying how are you building how are you gonna lay a foundation and build if you're giving up young prospects and it just it's that cycle they've got to stay out of i i think fantasy baseball or i think like mlb the show whenever you go into the settings and you turn (laughs) off like the ability for the computer to reject a trade it's like yes yeah it's not gonna happen (laughs) not gonna happen in real life but no i I think it's. I think that the Reds definitely have to be better than relying on a Eugenio Suarez. But then I think individually as well, he has to take a step forward because two years ago we were talking about that contract extension as a steal for the Reds. Yep. Now we're wondering. I mean, do we still think that it's a steal? Do we think it's an okay deal, or do we now think it's more of a handcuff deal? I would say it's it's just short of a handcuff just based on some of the other contracts they have. And Moustakas at 16. I mean, Suarez at 11 is an inconvenience, but I don't think it's an anchor um, based on his production. I, I think it, now three years, that, that, that's, a, that's a little tough. But 11 million in this day and age, you know how the, the, the economic structure of the game is. 11 million is not 
you know, off the charts insane. And certainly when we when we saw the initial terms of the contract when he signed, you thought, man, look at that. They, they are going to not have to pay him more than $11.5 million over any year of this contract unless they pick up his option. And it was great. Uh, now it's clearly not great, but it's not um, it's not one of the deals they've had in previous years, Homer Bailey and others, where you just thought, oh, my goodness, what uh, they, they can't get out from under it. I guess I'll, I'll sum it up this way. It could be worse. Yeah, it could be, could be much worse. Let's <laughs> let's color us realists when it comes to Eugenio Suarez with hope, but not uh, not expectation that he's going to bounce back big in 2022. Let's table that and let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's look back at the history of this franchise, and we're going to talk about Mount Rushmore here uh, in just a moment. The NFL season is heading into the playoff stretch run and college football is heading into the bowl season. This is a great time of year to start making some cash off your sports knowledge. And the best place to do that is betonline.ag. Go there today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. You can jump in on some action on the NBA, NCAA basketball, the NHL, UFC, boxing, and they've got all your favorite Vegas casino games. So start your bankroll off on the heavy side with the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus betonline.ag has great point spread lines i've got money lines over unders and more props than you can shake a stick at so check out today or today's action this weekend's action for the nfl and get in on the action at betonline.ag it's the only online sports book that i trust and you should too head on over there today with the promo code locked on to get a 50 percent welcome bonus at betonline.ag where the game starts before we talk about that, I want to let everybody know coming up on Monday, going to have, uh, or actually Tuesday, we're going to have Steve Granado from Locked On Angels on going to talk a mock trade. I'm going to um, be as realistic as possible with this because in my mind, I'm screaming at the idea of trading Luis Castillo, but we're going to talk a mock Luis Castillo trade to the Los Angeles Angels. That's coming up next week. So let's, let's have some fun. Because I, I came up with this idea a couple of weeks ago with a Mount Rushmore of Cincinnati Reds. And I'm thinking DeVu Park, maybe overlooking the Ohio <laughs> River. You can see it from the stadium. Maybe over in Fort Thomas, you know, you carve it out of the side of the hill. Maybe they take some money that they're not spending on the roster and they can purchase some land and start carving into it. Um, maybe maybe up toward Clifton. I don't, I don't know. I Stephen Offenbaker the other day from Reds Alert, he was just like, you're going to put it in Northern Kentucky? I'm like, but but you can see it from the stadium. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. So when we do this, when we carve these four faces in, I almost think that two of them are like, like stone cold locks, not changing, pretty obvious. I'm curious as to your take about this, but the four that we kind of came up with yesterday on the pod was Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, uh, Barry Larkin and Joey Votto and me and me and Steve actually kind of disagreed a little bit on this. He said, Joey Votto, I said, Frank Robinson, but I think that it, they're pretty close there, but I'm curious as to your four. And I'm curious to see if you've got the first two, the same two, cause I think you probably do. 
Yeah, you know, I I love exercises like this because he's you know you got to think you got to factor in offense, you got to weigh the defense, you got to weigh longevity and impact on the franchise. Um, you can you can determine how much weight you put on rings and championships when they were here if you if you want. But as you were saying it, my thought was initially, Rose and Bench are my two easiest ones to figure out, and then mm-hmm. I've got three in my mind. I've got three for the next two spots, and those three were. Morgan, Robinson, Votto, and my next tier was Barry Larkin. And that sounds like I'm, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful to Barry because I, I, I truly appreciate the all-around nature of his game, but I'm deciding, and I since you sent me the text earlier, I've been going back and forth through baseball reference, looking at looking at <laughs> Robinson, looking at Votto, because the Robinson Votto thing is fan is fascinating to me. And you have to and I assume we weigh this on just what they did as a Cincinnati Red in their uniform. And if you look yes. if you look how close Robinson and Votto are, I mean Votto the better batting average and on base, but Robinson certainly more power, higher OPS, OPS plus. Um Joe Morgan to me, the all around stolen bases, the 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 power, the speed, the average combinations, all of those. Um so those are my Five, which if I had to reduce to four, I would, I I, I probably I probably go down to leaving either Votto or Robinson out, and keeping the other one for my fourth. And by recency bias, I'd probably go Votto, but I would accept all criticism for saying how can you leave Frank Robinson off your Mount Rushmore? And as soon as I say this, if my dad listens to this, he will be calling me saying. You're out of my will. How did you leave Frank Robinson out of the Mount Rushmore of Cincinnati Reds? So, <laughs> well, we could we could maybe split the difference and like on one of the four heads, we can like just cement a bobblehead of that fifth player. Then he's yes. he's always on the Mount Rushmore. But yes. yeah, no, I'm, it's so it's so interesting because I think I mean obviously for a fact that it was, it was the worst trade in baseball history that sent him away and sent him to Baltimore and Milt Pappas and yeah whatever that sucks and I know that if he would have hung around he would have been a key member of the big red machine he would have had a ring yeah. it would have been the most intuitive thing ever we probably would talk about him as the best player in franchise yeah. history had they not traded him and I think that that is the only argument that there is is that his career as a red was cut short by sending him to a different team yeah and And, and i'm with you too on joe like uh he's a hard one to leave off as well the the nice thing is we have a good problem there's too many guys for this mount rushmore yeah and and the, the point on morgan is um you you on one hand you say well joe was only here eight years but on the other hand you say Look what he crammed into those eight years. Look at the dominance in eight seasons where in back-to-back seasons, he was the single best player in the game. He was the most impactful, dominant player in the game. But if you look at, and people will say, well, what did he do beyond 75, 76? Well, go back and look at 72, 73, 74. Look at 77. I mean, just the string of everything he did, the disruption on the bases and the the power for a, a second baseman at the time. And Speedy was just, uh, I mean, my goodness, he was just so damn good. It's, it's fun to think, because I always think of like guys who were here for maybe a year or two and just lit the world on fire, like the Kevin yep. Mitchells and the Greg Vaughns and, and, you know, the Trevor Bowers and things like that. He did it for eight years. He, he took that and he yes. made it even just almost a decade, uh, two more years. It's like if you you get to that 10-year plateau, then nobody's uh, questioning the longevity yeah. thing and questioning the career as a red. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I'm I'm with you. When I think about the Mount Rushmore guys, because I always think it goes beyond just good careers as a whole. It's like how transcendent was he within yes. the franchise's history, within the game of baseball. And then you you look at guys like Rose and Bench who completely redefine their positions, which Pete Rose redefined a couple of positions, but um, Bench made catching cool and yeah. stuff like that. So. I think of Frank Robinson and Joe Morgan and, and Joey Votto and, and Barry Larkin and those four guys, those four guys could have a Mount Rushmore in their own right. It's, yes. it's a fun exercise to talk about. And you go back to old guys too, like, ah, uh, Ed Roush. And I don't know how you have. Yeah. Ed Roush, um, big clue. Yep. Um, and it's always hard to judge pitchers from back of that day, but you're talking about some real good ones and like Dolph Luke and, yep. uh, um, Bucky Walters and Paul Derringer. Paul Derringer. Yeah. yeah. That's, those are some guys that I, I definitely think that they get passed over for the Mount Rushmore, but they absolutely deserve to be recognized. Yeah. And you know, back to Morgan for a second, because I, I think it has to factor in his importance to the big red machine in terms of being that piece that was dropped into that lineup then in a time where AstroTurf had become a thing and speed was more becoming more prevalent in the game. And, and Joe was the perfect, uh, like gasoline, as they've said to the big red machine, there was a lot of talent already there, but what Joe added when they dropped him in there and, and he will tell you, they helped him as well. It was a perfect fit from both sides. Joe had the reputation in Houston. Maybe he was a little bit um, surly or didn't get along with people, including his manager. But when he came to Cincinnati and was put next to Pete's locker and that relationship began to bloom and then Joe's impact began to uh, affect the team, then the big red machine really began to roll. But then you at the same time, you go back to Pete moving to third base in 75 as a big piece for the big red machine. So there are just so many pieces to that that have to be factored in. And that's why it's such a great debate. I, I love the Mount Rushmore stuff and it, <laughs> the off season lockout or not, it's a perfect time to have that debate. Yes. Lance, I appreciate you coming on and talking some Reds baseball with me today. And, uh, hopefully looking forward to, I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking like groundhog day is probably about the time we're looking at the lockout ending. I've, I've heard some people say maybe even March, but uh, we'll see. I don't know what, if you had to put a finger on a day on a calendar, where are you putting it? Unfortunately for me, I put it somewhere in March. I would put it, I start backtracking however many weeks they determine they'll need to get ready. And if that's three weeks out from opening day, unfortunately, it's going to be that long. Um, I go on history that says there's never been there have never been games lost to a lockout. There have been, what, three other lockouts, and the season's always started on time. I can't believe they'll miss games. But I think, you know how negotiations are, nothing gets done until the very last minute. And I think in both minds, their drop dead is going to say, well, well, we'll keep pushing, pushing, push it, pushing, and then it's going to be, you know, March 7 or whatever in that range, and everybody's going to say, all right, we got to get to the table, we got to get this done, and we got to get guys to camp by by Monday with flights arranged, and it's going to be last minute, and then we're going to have storylines of injuries because guys weren't fully ready, and and, and just that that's the sad thing. But I, I think we're going to have baseball on time ultimately on opening day, and I'll take that. So. That's that's my thought too, Lance. I appreciate having you on, and, and we'll do it again soon. Hopefully, we'll do it um, shortly after the lockout ends. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. I love doing this, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas.
Appreciate Lance coming back on. It was always good to talk with him and getting the chance to pick his brain about the Mount Rushmore thing. That's been something fun that I've been talking about this offseason, and I'd love to hear from you. You can hit me up on the Lockdown Reds line at 513-549-0159 or on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can hit the show up at Lockdown Reds and let me know who you who your Mount Rushmore is is if you agree with what we've been talking about these last couple of days with Lance and with Steve, or if you've got a different take on that, love to hear it there on the Lockdown Reds line or on Twitter. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast, for watching it, making us your hashtag first listen of the day. Now, go make your second listen Locked On Bets as your boy Q and Lee Sterling help you make some cash at betonline.ag. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it might be the off season, and we might be locked out, But I'm locked on Reds every single day.